Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. I didn't look back. Is that a life philosophy of yours? Yes. Yeah. Don't look down and don't look back. You have to stay focused. And it's the only way to keep your equilibrium. Literally. Yeah. And I was excited that there was a possibility, even if it was just a possibility. I grabbed onto that possibility, you know, like, okay, there's hope. Hope, yeah. hope is such a gift. <sighs> so I'm thinking, I wasn't worried about what I lost. I was focusing on what the potential was. Hi, I'm Rachel. And in this show, we talk about everything. Life and work, health and healing, relationships with others and with ourselves. These are stories for the seekers. These are conversations for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. So the one thing that I thought coming in, I was on a walk this morning, I was like, holy crap. This is amazing. What would you ask if you could ask anything? Is I'm really intrigued about what it felt like to become a mother before you made that choice for yourself. Because so much of your career, having watched the documentary, seems like it was launched from the impetus to have to take care of your siblings. So what was that experience like? And then maybe how did it shape the mother that you became? We'll just start somewhere light. <laughs> it's a very good question. The decision to become a parent, if you're, you know, I mean, some people aren't necessarily making the decision. Yeah. So there, there is definitely something deliberate about, in my situation, in my particular case, about making that decision and the timing of it. I had, for so many years, basically played a parental role with my siblings so I wasn't in a rush to have my own kids. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm getting older. And I do have a window that I've got to respect if I plan on having a child at all. But the other thing in the mix was that I was only, I was 30 when I had my first hit. Really? So there was no way I was going to be able to start a family just as my career was taking off, yeah. my recording career was taking off. So the, it was it was a careful and, you know, well-thought-out decision. But I did feel the pressure of time. Mm. And at the same time, it was, a, it was not even a decision, but it was very clear to me that if, when I become a mother, that's my priority. Mm. Way over anything else, way over my career. Career is not ever going to be, you know, my biggest focus yeah. once, I, once I'm a mom. And and that was definitely the, the case. It, it ended up being that way. So uh, I, I was just prepared to have to balance things. Yeah. And, um, and I did. I mean, my son was in the studio with me while I was recording the Up album. There's outtakes with him 
you know, cooing in the background because I kept him in the little in his in his little bed carriage. Yeah. While I was doing vocals. So, of course, I would leak into the microphone if he made a little sound or whatever. And I would time it from when he was sleeping. And I, I nursed till I was, till he was 14 months. So all of that album was me being a new mom. So it, was, it started soft. It was good. You know, I was just in the studio. I, could, I was flexible. I could go in when I needed or when I wanted and keep him on a schedule. So it was a balancing act. Yeah. And then when you started to tour that album, I'm assuming, how then did that shift? Because I've never been on stage like that, but I would imagine energetically like you are pouring. I've seen you perform. I watched you at ACL last year to pour out your energy on the audience and then also have to come down off of that and then go take care of a child. Did that feel overwhelming did that feel or you're just like we're gonna figure it out it was kind of fun because when your child is you know still a baby yeah they're super portable yeah (laughs) right so we had a lot more to 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 carry around like lego sets and train tracks um asia was crazy about trains so we had every thomas the tank engine train and caboose and and all the tracks and so every day we weren't we weren't just setting up a stage and tearing it down we were setting up the whole dressing room with train tracks cool so we had a lot of fun doing that so he was you know and I had a a crib in it uh in built into the to the bus and we he slept beside me in his crib and I just I basically just adapted yeah do you think that was common at that time for women to, having watched like Pink's documentary and different people, they, I'm seeing, they're telling the story of bringing kids along the journey with them. But is that something that was normal then? Like, did people in your world understand that you were going to bring him along? Or was it sort of not as common? Well, first of all, I needed to time things. So once, uh, once I was pregnant, I said, okay, uh, I, I, I like to do things back work backwards. Mm-hmm, me too. So I'm like, by the time he's in school, I will have had to have done that, 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 and that. Because I am not dragging him around Yeah. When, once he starts school. So I already knew what I had to fit into the to that time space. And a lot of the writing for that album that I would tour with was done during the pregnancy. So that was going to work out. Then I would be recording once he was, a, when he was a newborn. Yeah. And that gives me time to get into shape, and then we can take him on the road with us because he's going to be a baby. Um, worked out great. And I was off the road by the time it was time to put him in school. Wow. And then I stayed off the road for a very long time. And he was I never wanted him to be a backstage. I didn't want him to be raised on the road. Yeah. To I, I just wanted to give him a chance to be normal. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Very cool. To be established somewhere. Yeah. I'm curious how it was a different experience for you because you had done it with your siblings. Did you feel like you were better prepared for taking it on? Were you, like, excited about it? Because even I didn't realize that you had your first hit when you were, in, when you were 30, you said. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I think so often, especially with women, we think, man, if I don't have it by 22 – it's done. Like my dreams are never going to happen. Having gone through that journey to make it as a musician, did it feel like, okay, this is, this is the time now. I'm going to like take this thing on. Oh, it was definitely the time because I started singing on stage from the age of eight years old. So yeah. my career has been very long. My success just started late. I just didn't have the opportunities. You know, I didn't have access to any of the record industry. I didn't have access to managers, even any venues that would have prepared me for success. Yeah. So by the time I had access to that, I was already probably 27. Wow. 26 at eight maybe. years old, what what is your career at eight years old? <laughs> What's your career at eight years old? That's so great. Okay. So my career at eight years old was just local bars, uh, local community centers, and I would go sing at the old age homes for elderly people. And was that to like rein in your talent or was that you actually were making money? 
Sometimes I would make a, a few bucks. Okay. You know, I was I was only making money when I did the bars. Okay. But and you're, I'm, I'm talking like $25, $50, right? Uh, but at night? You're in a bar at nighttime? Yeah. Okay. You don't want to be in, in any of those bars when the lights are on. That's true. Trust me. That is very true. So, no, it was always at night. And up until the age of 11, I was only allowed in the bar after midnight. You need a license to be able to be in there underage. Yeah. yeah. Which is very unusual. I'm, I, I may be the only kid that ever legally was able to sing in bars wow. from the age of 11. And then you have to wake up and go to school the next day? Right. So my mom would get me up at midnight. I would go to the bar. I would do a set or two and then go back to bed and then wake up and get to go to school in the morning. Yeah. Wow. It, it was tough. Did you enjoy it or you, how did that feel? Was it? No. I hated it. Yeah. You know, no kid wants to get yeah pulled out of bed at it, you know at midnight and then and then and go sing I was always singing with strangers because I it was always a band that was already there booked and then oh, I would wow. go in and do a set or two sets what kind of what kind of music were you performing well at that time it was only country music okay and so, am I mistaken are you Canadian yes I'm Canadian. okay so you're doing country music in Canada which I'm not super familiar with the country music scene there but is that why you were saying you didn't have access to the kind of venues that would have helped you to grow in in music? There is no Nashville in Canada. Okay. There is no uh, Las Vegas in Canada. There's no hubs that are designed for entertainment, for live entertainment. Yeah. We have lots of theater. We have a lot we have a lot of conservatories for music. We have we have a lot of performing arts opportunities, but they're they're more formal. They're mm. not not like what I do. Uh, so the only thing that was available were local bars, anywhere where, the, where there was public. And I grew up on country music. Like Nashville country music or Canadian? Is it the same It was thing? a mix of Canadian okay. and, and American okay. country music. Okay. So, and, and Canadian country music is more mixed with, I would consider it, uh, we, had, we included soft rock and folk. Okay. So on our country music stations, you would hear... Jim Crochet. Uh, we had Gordon Lightfoot, which was a Canadian folk artist. I don't know if you know who that oh, is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's a Canadian folk artist that that would be part of uh, something I would do in my repertoire. And Marie was a big country music Canadian artist that I would have in my repertoire. But then along with Dolly Parton and Tammy Wynette. Uh, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson was yeah. a big one that I loved. I was just thinking, like, you must have gotten your performance chops. Like, if you have to, as a little kid, perform for a group of people in a bar after midnight. Who are now right. definitely intoxicated. <laughs> yes. Because there were no, there was no, don't forget, there was no uh, designated driver. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, man. So there so, were no exceptions. Yeah. So did that teach you how to hold a crowd and hold attention? Or were you even, or were you just trying to get through it? No, no, I learned a lot. You yeah. know, uh, I really learned a lot. I I definitely learned how to, in the beginning, if I'm being really honest, I had to learn to disconnect yeah. in order to be present. I get that. It must have been so scary. Like, how was I supposed to really... Yeah. To these people that are drunk, they're all adults, and I'm eight. So I had to disconnect and put on my big girl shoes yeah. and act like I understood what I was singing about. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm singing about divorce. I'm right. singing about cheating and getting drunk yeah. and, and all of these things. I don't, I don't, I've never experienced so I'm singing about all these things I don't even have any experience with. The challenge was making the, the crowd believe in what I was singing. Wow. Wow. Otherwise, they'd be like, get this kid off the stage, yeah. right? So, yeah. So my role was to be convincing. And in a way, you know, as I matured and I, I, I grew into being able to sing about things that I'd experienced, mostly because I've written everything that I, you know, record since yeah. the Woman in Me album. So... I'm not interpreting anybody else's lyrics. I'm singing my own heart, right? Yeah. 
But there are days when I'm on the stage and I'm maybe I've got the flu or maybe I don't have the energy that I had the week before or something. There is something about being able to maintain a frame of mind mm-hmm. and get into the mind over matter yeah. mode. Yeah. And just do your best every time, no matter what else is going on. Wow. And I learned, I'd have to say that I learned a lot about that from being a kid in an adult world. Yeah. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash hosting. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm fascinated by this idea of women disconnecting from intuition and that inner wisdom. And you use that word disassociating. Do you ever feel like that maybe came in? Do you ever find that sort of the echo of that in as an adult on stage where you're like, oh, I'm doing that thing in a way that isn't about getting through it, but is about maybe not being present in the moment? I think that's very important because it's not about surviving. It's about overcoming. Mm. That is a very, very different thing. And then you learn, you can learn how to manage it. It's that, it's your power. It's not, you're not just surviving. You, you know, you're not just managing, you know, you're, you're, you actually can do it. Mm. You can be sick and get out there and do it. Yeah. So that's very important. I think, I mean, I learned that very, very, very young. A lot of people don't learn that till they're much older. And I, I have to say that that's one of the benefits of learning this so young, even though it was really inappropriate. Yeah. A lot of it. It was an education nevertheless. Yeah. And and it gave me a lot of, I developed a lot of stage fright from it for a long, long time. Yeah. So there was a downside to it. It's like, oh my God, don't make me go up there and do this. You know, there's this, there's this, oh no, I got to go up there and be someone else that I'm not. It took a long time to master the... Even mastering is not the right, but I guess to find the real joy in it. How um, old do you think you were when you started to feel joy in the process? Only, um, I would say probably 10 years ago. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, I mean, I think like as a fan of yours for as long as I can remember, 
like I appreciate the honesty in that, but also like we got so much from you. We got so much joy. I was telling my boyfriend earlier, I'm like, she is the soundtrack of my life. I'm not going to cry because that's weird. I can um, feel you. Yeah. But oh, it like hurts my heart a bit that that process didn't feel good to you, but also so inspiring that it does now. What do you think shifted? Well, let me explain first that what overpowered the fear was my connection to the music. Mm. And then that connection I shared with you. Yeah. So we weren't ever disconnected over yeah. that barrier yeah. that I had. Yeah. Because the music, we were all there for the same reason. I loved the music that I made. I loved the music that I wrote. I respected it. I appreciated it. And so did the audience. And and the other part of the barrier that got me through, that I, I overcame, um, even though I had that stage fright, was the fact that I'd learned to interact with the audience. I actually enjoyed that. I liked the spontaneity. And that really broke the ice for me and really helped me. So I would, I could shake off a lot of my, my fear by distracting myself and addressing somebody or, or just talking to somebody in the audience. And, and so I, I had ways, I had methods, but it was never, it was never ideal going on stage wanting to pee myself every yeah. time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, but I really only, only managed that 10 years ago. And there were just so many other things that could get in my way from never singing live again that I learned. It was just, if you, could, if you can't enjoy this, if this is going to scare you, just, you got to stop it. But what scared me the most was that I would never sing again. So when you're faced with a bigger fear, now you're like, oh, wow, okay, that was actually not, like, what was I doing mm. all those years shitting myself? Yes. Getting up there when it could have been way, 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 way worse. Yeah. Like never being able to sing again. And that was where the voice, um, the voice issue really, I guess, gave me a whole different reality. Hmm. Will you tell that story for the audience if they're not familiar? So at the end of the up tour, I got Lyme's disease. I got bit by a tick. And I barely made it through that tour. I had some horrible performances and, and my voice was just becoming, you know, less and less predictable. Did you know you had Lyme's disease? I did. Okay. Okay. But I didn't know that it was affecting my voice because it oh. was, the voice was gradual. So I knew that I got Lyme's disease. I treated it. I, I have lasting effects that will never go away now. But I didn't know that my, the nerves in my larynx were damaged. So my voice just got weaker and weaker. And specialists saw nothing wrong with my larynx or my vocal cords, which is what they check. When you're a singer, they check, they check that. Everything looked great. The anatomy was perfect. So if they all, everybody started to say, well, you know, it's probably just in your head. And I'm, I'm like, mm. <laughs> God save us from people telling women that their medical problems are in their head. And this could have been anyone, yeah. men or a woman. But I thought, you know, well, I just said, okay, well, whatever it is, I can't use my voice the way I need to. So seven years of that kept it's me off not the road. Singing. I could only sing in the studio if, I mean, what it took was too much. Humiliating. Yeah. Humiliation. So I found, finally found a doctor that said, let's do a, neuro a neurological test. I'm going to send you to my neurosurgeon and let him check other things that might affect the way your voice works, even though your, your, the direct um, physiology is, is intact. And on the list of reasons. Then he found that, that my nerves were so, oh, ooh, I had to have this terrible, I don't want to say that it's terrible. I would still recommend people get this test because it's, it's necessary if you want to ever get to the bottom of a neurological problem that is, you know, affecting your voice. So they put needles, really long ones, in your, right into your larynx, right through Oh, I'm stressed they go out right, for you. I know. Oh my god! So right into the the, the cavity of your. Are you, are you awake? Apple. 
Yes, you have oh. to be awake. <sighs> because you have to speak. You have to phonate. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Okay. All right. This right? Is, this is a nightmare. So this is where you've just got to be brave and bite it. Yeah. And you got to do it. If you want to know what's going on, you got to do it. Right. Okay. So you push through that fear and you trust in the process. So I do that. I've got nerve damage on both nerves. There's only two nerves. Both nerves are damaged. He said, so now we got to determine why. It doesn't really matter why the, they were saying because, I mean, we can't undo it. It's not, it's not reversible. We can't. We cannot save these nerves. You will only ever be able to sing again if you can teach the anatomy around the weakness of the nerves to function and compensate. So I did that for a year and a half. Like vocal training and okay. No, it's so beyond vocal. It's not okay. about voice. It's not about your singing anymore. Now it's about getting all these other muscles to compensate and basically push the vocal cords together. And that did not, it worked, but it was exhausting me. It was so much work. I had to warm up two hours before the show. Oh my gosh. But it worked. I could do it. And then I had a two-hour show. But I'm like, four hours of this, I'm going to, this is exhausting me. Well, and I think, and I know this because I watched the documentary. So just in case listeners don't understand this piece, you were at the top, like you, what was it, three albums in a row? Just three, at, three diamond albums in a row. Back, yeah. It, I had no idea. Like in my head, I thought, oh, well, you just, you know, decided to not sing anymore or never I mean because I don't was it public information that you were having not at the time yeah. no. I didn't even know what it was yet right I didn't know what it was so like now you're fighting to get it's wild I was so glad when that doc came out because I was like God, we need I mean we need we don't need it but like it was so awesome to have that story to understand what you were going through in that time period you're doing this crazy physio. You've got a two-hour warm-up. You're doing a two-hour show. This is not sustainable. Exactly. You hit the you you found the right language. I could do it, and I did it, but it was not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And as you get older, the muscles they get more slack, just naturally. So that that was another part of why I would not have been able to maintain that. So. I revisit any other possible option. And he said, the only other option is this surgery. It's not vocal cord surgery. That's the easy thing to do. Like if you've got nodules, you go in, they shave them off and you recover. You know, if you're a smoker, you got to quit smoking. If you're a drinker, you got to quit drinking and now, and you can recover. Right. You know, many, many great success stories about that. But it wasn't going to be as straightforward as that because it, it wasn't my vocal cords. It was not a singing problem. It was a nerve problem. Nerve damage, they have to go in there and put crutches to compensate for the nerve weakness. So now my, my vocal cords are kind of like that all the time, right? So the air is always escaping. So what they do is they put a Gore-Tex kind of like a crutch on each side and it does that and it flexes that's why it's Gore-Tex but it keeps them connected oh my gives gosh. you closure oh my gosh closure of the vocal folds okay and and it's got to be symmetrical you need symmetry in order to be able to phonate properly with right. any control so I'm speaking and singing and holding notes and using my vibrato and doing what I got to do. And uh, and it worked. Yeah. How long ago was that? That was probably two years ago now. Oh, wow. It's very recent. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Maybe, maybe it's more than that now. Hmm. COVID threw us all off. 2020 is wild. I feel like it was yesterday, but it's 2024. So, yeah, this yeah. was pre-COVID. Okay, yeah. No, I, I, I do years. this all the time. Yeah. Okay, it's great. It's so wild. So, that was pre-COVID. Okay. Yeah. 
It's spring, guys, or it's very close to spring, which means it's very close to the time of the year where I start planting my garden for summer. And this year, I was really excited to add a lemon tree, not from a seed, but like an actual tree. Did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners of my show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code RACH at checkout. Guys, get a lemon tree like me. We can be twins. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code RACH at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code RACH. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. That procedure allows you to then go and perform and do stage shows and not have to do a two-hour warm-up beforehand? It's, I is can it like do, I can do times? a 15-minute, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. In that process, though, like building up to the place where you had this solution – how were you emotionally? Like, how were you grappling? Was it like, well, I'm going to try this and, you know, we'll give it the old college try and if it doesn't happen? Or is it like, damn it, like I had this thing and I can do this thing and now it's gone? I didn't look back. Is that a life philosophy of yours? Yes. Yeah. Don't look down and don't look back. You have to stay focused. And it's the only way to keep your equilibrium. Literally. Yeah. And I was excited that there was a possibility, even if it was just a possibility. I grabbed onto that possibility, you know, like, okay, there's hope. Hope, yeah. hope is such a gift. <sighs> so I'm thinking, I wasn't worried about what I lost. I was focusing on what the potential was. Mm -hmm. And besides, all the work that I had done to build up all of the musculature and everything was only going to be a benefit now. Now I've really done a great prep. And sure enough, when, because I couldn't speak for three weeks after, I couldn't, you know, I wasn't able to, I wasn't allowed to use it, right? So that it would heal. When I opened my mouth for the first time to make any sound, it was just there. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's there. It's right there. It was just done. It was there. That was it. Yeah. And there was no rehab. It was just done. What a gift. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just ready. I mean, I, I couldn't jump into screaming uh, or, you know, doing anything. Like, I mean, I couldn't go to a, you know, a, a hockey game and like cheer <laughs> and scream and do stuff like that. Just so that the the blood vessels would uh, would have have more time to heal because they can burst. So that's know. still a possibility. No. Oh, okay. Oh, in the healing in that process. moment. Okay, I see. Yeah. Not, you know, for a little bit. So. Did uh, that give you a new sort of like, okay, let's go next chapter? Like, how did that change the way you were looking at your career? Oh, yeah. Page <laughs> turned. Page turned. You know, I'm now going to just enjoy this while I have it. Mm. I, I stopped taking uh, a lot of things for granted. And that is also where the fear went away. How so? The stage fear, right? Because I'm like, are you kidding? Yeah. I have a second chance at this. Yeah. I am not going to waste it on 
being afraid. You know, I'm like, are you kidding? I'm not afraid of anything now. I'm like, I'm getting up there. And if I can sing, I'm doing it. Mm. And I enjoyed it in a different way. So, I, you know, it's a whole different animal. It's a whole, and I'm easier on myself. Mm. It's like, you know what? If you miss that note, because my voice is different. It's not the same. Yeah. It's it's different. I have different placements. Uh, this I don't want to be technical, but if I would have maybe done a part in falsetto before, now I might do it in full voice. Mm -hmm. I have more power than I used to have. I'm a lot louder when I sing. That's cool. So, but I I don't have the subtleties maybe that I used to have in some areas. So it's it's just different. I had to learn how to use it. I had to learn how to sing the same songs in a slightly different way. Well, I think that's kind of a beautiful analogy for life as we age in life. Like I just turned 41 and I feel like I'm learning to sing my songs that I'm not a singer, but like I'm doing life in a different way in my 40s than I was in my 30s than I was in my 20s. And I think when I was younger, I might have been worried about what things would look like or feel like because I was older and it's only getting better you know, because you're releasing a lot of the crap that you didn't need in the first place, those fears or anxieties. But also I feel more myself. Like this is this is who I am. And I hope every decade that I turn, I feel more myself as I learn to sing my songs in a different way. You're only you when you recognize who you are. Mm. And if you're 40, but you wish you were 25 or you keep trying to look like you're 25 or you or, and you go through all of these i don't know i'm not judging but i feel best when i just know and i'm okay with who i am and what yes. i am yes and that means my age that means my abilities that means my my faults my my strengths all of that otherwise i think we avoid we avoid being ourself. Yeah. And we're, we're too afraid of it or, what, or whatever that is. So I'm not afraid of missing the note. I'm not afraid of changing the note. I'm not afraid of... I adapt. Are you doing things now in your career that you wouldn't have had the courage to do when you were younger because you have this energy or attitude? And I say that because I was at the Foo Fighters show and I could not have been more shocked. Could not have been more shocked to see you guys perform together. So would you have done that 15 years ago? Was that, or is this sort of like this new, like, yeah, screw it, let's go. I never would have done that, especially at the so peak sick. of my, no, at the peak of my career, when I would, you know, when that would have been something maybe people would have thought I would have jumped on. I turned so much down out of lack of confidence. Like performing with other artists. Absolutely. Oh, wow. All kinds of things. Was that fear of fear. what other people would say or fear of, I admire this artist and, you know, what if they don't think I'm good? Like, what was that? What was sort of at the root of that? Stage fright. Stage mm -hmm. fright is horrible. You panic. It's that feeling you get when you have to jump. You, you, you feel like you're jumping off a cliff without any safety net. I mean, it's a total panic. And it's just you too. Like I can't even, there's so many people and you have all of your crew and the band and everyone who's on this tour with you and everyone who's like counting on you to not mess up, right? And so I guess if you add in this artist that you admire that you might collaborate with, it's just like this added pressure. I judged myself. It's not anyone else. The, the, this is a me thing. Mm. I was always able to handle like critical press, for example. My rational self was mature enough to, and out of all my life experiences, I'm like, you know, I, I can, I can, I can take all of that. I can manage that. That doesn't cripple me. But the spotlight and the, like the one, two, three, go. <laughs> I mean, I had to shove myself out there every 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 night it was just a it's a it's a stage fright yeah it's a really really horrible thing do you feel like there's imposter syndrome in that are you familiar with this idea of like who am i like oh if they knew who i really was they wouldn't let me here i wouldn't call it that but there is something that is i would say i describe it differently i wouldn't say it's imposter syndrome it is i used to say in my own head, like during the show, I would say, 
I'm not doing that. I, I'm not doing as good as what they're, as the response I'm getting. Yes. I'm like, I'm doing the same exact thing I've been doing all of my life. The size of the room doesn't make any difference. I'm just getting up here. I'm shitting myself <laughs> the same way I did when I was eight, 10, 15, 18. And yet I'm getting all this adoration. Like for what? I don't, I don't get it. Mm. And a lot of times I, w- I, c- I, I couldn't even look people in the eye. Like, does it feel then not real in those moments? Because like this can't be, like the response is too strong. Like that's such a, a fascinating way. Like I've never heard someone describe it in that way. I would literally say to myself as if, as if this warrants this response. Oh, so you're hard on yourself. Very. Yeah. Very, very, very hard on myself. But since I lost my voice and got it back, like, are you kidding? I did good, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know? And I give myself credit for doing that. For, That's For going through it, for taking the plunge. Because I could have just, I could have, I could let fear get in my way and say, oh, no, no. I mean, that's. Yeah. It's too risky. You don't even know if it's going to work. I could go through all it. Because they don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. It doesn't always work yeah. for everyone. And it's a rare operation anyway. Gosh. And it's not a singer's operation. Oh, really? It's super rare for singers to have this. Oh, is it because it's too dangerous? Like, No, so- it's because the most people that get that nerve damage, boxers get it, steering, like car accidents, steering wheel in the neck. Wow. Any kind of tongue, neck, or tumor removal, or like spine, like uh, neck surgery from, you know, that nerve is so delicate. It's a side, it's, it. It happens in surgery for other things. So here's me going into a surgery to help a perfectly healthy larynx function properly. Yeah. I could create more damage. Yeah. It was a big risk. Yeah, but but I feel like knowing your career, you've sort of found a way over and over and over again. You kept finding a way. And this feels like the next iteration of figuring it out, finding a way to move to the next spot in the path. Because I feel like that's your story with even breaking in. Like you put songs out and they weren't quite a hit right away. I I feel like I remember you talking about like people wouldn't let you dress the way you wanted to dress or look the way. And you were like, "Ah, just let me do this thing. And that's when you started to have success. This is a very interesting point because when I say that I didn't, what I couldn't appreciate with this stage fright was that I was being admired for something that I didn't, that I didn't really feel I was doing any better than what I did before I was famous. So I I didn't feel that, I'm like, I didn't feel worthy of that Mm. praise. But the success part I worked for. The singing part is almost like that was the gift. I didn't earn that. Yeah. That was a gift. I was born with that. I was a really great child singer. Mm. It's not like all of a sudden I just discovered that I could sing. My mother discovered that. And so I was like, I could sing anything all my life. I only honed in on singing what I recorded because I became a recording artist. Yeah. Before that, I was singing Stevie Wonder. I was singing, I mean, I was singing everything under the sun, every range. So I had chops, but I, I became a stylist when I wrote to record. So what I was celebrating and owning was those videos, the styling, standing up for myself, um, I was not afraid of any of that. I'm like, no, no, no. This is I. I can't wear that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm like my idols. Th- th- this is not what I. I have my own vision. Right. I have my ideas of what I want to. How I want to present my music and myself as an artist. 
So that was a separate entity. Mm. I could have done the same thing for another artist. I didn't have to be the one on the stage singing. Interesting. They were two separate things. Yeah. So that wasn't that, that part of me wasn't the child, you know, the creator. That was me. I earned that. I developed that, mm. you know, whereas the, the, the singer was just, I couldn't, it's like, I couldn't take credit for the praise I was getting. Interesting. Do you know love languages? Are you familiar with the idea mm -hmm. of a love language? Mm -hmm. So my love language growing up was always words of affirmation. I need someone to tell me like, you did a good job. And when I experienced the first like massive success in my career, that stopped being my love language because I got so much of it that I, it was hard for me to trust it. Like it just felt even still, if people are like, you're doing a great, I'm like, you don't mean it? I, yeah, I okay. feel like it's not genuine because it I, it was like there was so much coming at me that I, I couldn't take it in. Is it a similar feeling for you? No, it's not the same thing at all. Uh, and, and, I'm, and I say that only because earlier I was explaining that when I was in concert, even though I was, I had a hard time, I couldn't absorb the adulation mm -hmm. as the performer, I still understood that the music... I I knew I wrote good songs. I yeah. knew those were good songs. Not in, not before they became a success. I, I couldn't, I, I would never be able to say to you, oh my God, I just wrote it like a smash hit. Yeah. Because you never, only, no song you've written, you're like, oh, we just, we just killed it. I can only tell you that I love it. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. But, so it, it's only the, it's only the listener that can judge it after that. So I knew that because the song was a success, whatever the songs were, they were only there because it was a success. Yeah. So I knew that that was, I earned that. They would not be there if they didn't love that music. Yeah. So they love it and I love it. And so we connect, we, we agree on that, you know? So I, I was, that was the affirmation that they came they were sincere. Yeah. You can invite someone to a party and they'll go, oh my God, yeah, I can't wait to be there. I'm, I'm there, man. I look so forward. You give the best parties and they don't come. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So when you put on a concert and they come and they sing with you and they, you know, and they're cheering when that, when that, like the first millisecond that that song begins, they know what it is. What else do I need to know? Yeah. I was confident in that part of it. I just wasn't confident that I was mm -hmm. the person warranted the the the, the adulation. Yeah. One person that I kind of relate to that I've ever that sort of speaks similarly is Sia. Hmm. She, if I could have, if I would have had the guts to do what she did, I oh, would have done the same it's thing. It's so smart. The disguise thing. Well, just or just not doing it. Oh wait, tell just me make that. the music. Yeah, like just make the music. And other people can do, can perform it. Yeah, the people are still cheering. Yeah, they still they still love the music. That would have been enough for me. I didn't need the spotlight, but I'm so glad. So in a way, the voice was a silver lining. Yeah, I've learned to love and respect presenting the music now. It's like this idea: the obstacle is the way. The obstacle yes. that is in front of us, if we can find the solution to get around the obstacle, actually becomes the path we were meant to be on the entire time. Well, it gave me a pleasure I'd been missing all that time. That's so rad. Imagine. That's so rad. All that time. It was killing me to get up there. Well, so you, you spoke about this a bit, and I'm a dork, so I would love to hear. You talked about writing the music, and what is your creative process? What does that look like for you? Well... Boredom is a really good start. Okay, wait. In what way? Okay, so if I'm bored, which I get bored very quickly. Okay. So it's not like I have dry periods. Okay. <laughs> so for example, COVID. Oh, I was so productive. I was, I, I wrote all kinds of stuff. <laughs> because what, there was not a lot of other things to do. Right. So the only thing that I was lacking, so I need two things. I need inspiration. And that means other people's brains, ideas, creativity, brilliance. I feed off that. I'm inspired by things I don't think of myself or that I, would, I could never imagine. I'm like, oh, wow, that 
I would never have thought of that. So I better get to work, you know? Yeah. And then it opens up a whole, all, all, all kinds of other ideas. So, and, and, and areas to explore. So just when I thought I knew all the colors, there's a whole other palette of colors that someone else just introduced me to. So now I'm going to get onto that, right? So it's endless. Inspiration, like, just gives me endless possibilities. And then boredom. So bo what boredom, where boredom helps is when you do what, a, like, creative people self-motivate. I mean, nobody says it's time to... <laughs> it's like, please, please paint this. Yeah. Right? Right. So even though you might have ideas and you might be inspired, you might just put it off. Yeah. yeah. You might just go, oh, I don't have a, I don't have a time. I have to be there. Uh, I've got no one waiting for me. Um, I've got no professor uh, setting up a, a date for my exam. I have no one to deliver for. I have no time frame. No one framing me in. I'm my own boss. So boredom is awesome for that. It's like I'm bored. Oh, yeah, okay, well, I pick up my guitar. Yeah. And then after that, it's all about, uh, you know, there is no for me what comes first. It's, it could be lyrics, it could be concept, could be uh, a melody, could be chord progression. There is no order. I do it. I do them all. And are you by yourself? Are you um, collaborating with other people? I'm always by myself. I always start by myself. Okay. Always. In a specific area or you can sort of do it anywhere? I do it all. Okay. Cool. I, I write the music, the lyrics, the melody, the I arrange it, I do everything. And then, and I like to write by concept as well. And so what does that mean? I'm not familiar Like with I might idea. say, I, I, I really want to write about this. Mm. It's a little bit more like writing a novel or, or, or even journalism. Okay. You know, you kind of say, I like writing about this sort mm -hmm. of thing. And then you hone on that area. Um, and I do that with, with songwriting a lot. So before I have any lyrics or anything like that, I just write out the concept. And that might be two pages long. Oh, wow. That's so rad. Yeah. Do you so, have an example of a song of yours that started with you wanted to write about a concept and then became this thing? Sure. Like I, even a song like No One Needs to Know. Yeah. I mean, so I write a lot of songs like that now thinking about it. I just write out why would this, what things would be worth keeping to ourselves um, in intimacy before, before anybody else needs to know? That's so you know cool. how long how long you know what are those things how long would we stay in that little world and there's so many things in life that are like that mm. like a pregnancy yeah you you go through this phase of like we're gonna keep this just here right yeah how long do we keep it for just us yeah when is it wrong to not you know you, you set your own boundaries and you have your own world until until you don't yeah and. And so, you know, I would I'd write out a whole page of it. More, it's more of a philosophical way of writing things. I've never heard anyone do that before. It's a really cool way to approach it. I do it a lot. But it's a little bit more like the way you would maybe write out a concept for a short story. Even. Yeah. So before you structure it, you're just writing out the concept. Yeah. And you can do, you know, you can write out. Uh, sometimes for me, it's just a few paragraphs. Sometimes it's, um, like I said, three pages. And you do you, are these in journals? Are you do you no, have all pages. of your original pages? I like, have a lot of pages. So sick! That's awesome. Yeah, I have a lot of pages. That I I love this idea. Is it um, similar when you build a show? Like, if do you concept what a show looks like? I know you've always been involved with your style, but when you're putting together a concert or like the new residency like how does that come into your mind yeah very, very much so productions I started doing that when I started my very first when I did my very first video which was which song that was called what made you say that so I didn't write that song okay because I didn't have the right I, I didn't get the chance to yet right I had a lot of songs but the record label dictated what I recorded at that time uh and that's just me paying my dues yeah but the video I was in control of which I feel like I like, can see it in my so head. So this is just me on the beach, beach. with a guy yes, in jeans. Yes, and, you know, totally. <laughs> me and the, and, the, and the video director got along really well. We just hit it off. And because it was so low budget, it was just the two of us. Literally. Yeah. How cool. So 
he did all the camera work and he just switched cameras and switched angles. Kim and I edited it together. I, that's where I learned how to edit. So I did all the styling. I did everything. And we worked on the angles together. We just did, it was just um, having the, the freedom educated me Yeah. in that moment. And then writing out a script for the video. This is kind of where I started. And then I just, I, I write scripts for the shows. And, and now, and so anyway, so my husband, Fred, he used to make presentations all the time on, the, on this system. Uh, and he said, you know, it would be a lot more clear if you could, if you use this system to, to do your the storyboard. And it really does make a lot of difference. So now I work on this program and, um, and just plug it all in. And then I just, I type out all of the, di- all of the, the script. You know, I script out the staging and script out all kinds of things. And it just makes it go a lot faster. But, I mean, before I was cutting out clips and, and you know, doing like yeah, like a craft school craft <laughs> project. I remember using Bristol board early on. To, like, map it all out. Map it all out. And wow. I sit there with the, you know, with the video director and I talk it through. And I think a lot of people did that, you know, before we had the technology. Yeah. but. I'm really lame with the technology, so, you know, I never, I, I was always better with the tactile Yeah, I mean, process. I'm here for a vision board. There's a lot to be said for a vision board. Gets yeah. you where you need to go. Yeah, so now my husband, like, he operates, so I'm always, <laughs> you're like, you, you do know. this. Uh, well, I'm like, okay, no, <laughs> put that, because I, I don't want to operate the program, you know what I'm yes, saying? Yes, yeah. Like, no, 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 I don't want it. And he always says, come on, you need to learn. No, no, I don't want to learn that. I don't want to learn the program. Yeah. You just... You operate the program. I'll just tell you what I want in it and where I want things to go and and what works out. For the Vegas residency, can you tell us about what we can expect that you have envisioned that you guys have laid out if we are walking into that environment? I'm still creating it. Oh, still in real time. Yep. As we speak, I'm still, I, I always do that. It's sort of like the queen of me tour styling. I like lead time creatively, but- isn't that so real? Like if you move too fast in a creative process, it will never be what it could have been if you're forced to go too quickly. Like the longer that I'm able to sit with projects, they get better and better and better. And I would not have understood that earlier in my career because I felt like everyone was rushing me like, go faster, do this. So, so why, why is that? Do you allow yourself that now? Or, I and do. You, were, you know, when you're younger, you're not really allowed to yes. because, you know, you're monitored and you're, yes. you're, you're shaped and everything like yeah. that. I, yeah, I think I've gotten to a place in my career where I've proven myself enough that I can, or at least I feel like I can dictate, you know, hey, if you want a book for me, I'm going to need two years. Right. And in the past, I would be like, I'll have it for you, in, you know, by Tuesday. Well, you've gained independence. Yeah. You yeah. know, and you, you merit it. Yeah. You know, you've proven it, and so you you know you know what you need, and you know, you're dictating that. But uh, and that's a great feeling. Yes, yes, it is independence. Yeah, you know, which is ironically what happened with that first video. Mm. There was just no budget, so I ended up with the independence to do what I wanted, and that meant the midriff. You know, like I literally turned the things under and over and and you know got exactly the the zone of the of the stomach that I wanted to show I had no sewer so I just had I used safety pins nice and and I wanted to be braless and there was a lot of things that there would no way yeah if you if you're not a country music fan you don't understand how crazy the things you just said are because i remember sitting in my aunt linda's living room we used to watch cmt and i remember that video coming up and just being like what what is this there was nothing like that especially at that time nothing existed in country music in that way no if i had any, if i had had anyone monitoring it <laughs> There's no way I would have been allowed. Did people tell you like this won't work or yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're like but they're like what could they do? They, they that was all we shot. Yeah. I honestly I get this so much. My most successful book, the cover of it is I mean I would say iconic cuz it's mine. But we told the publisher the concept for that and they were like no. That's not a thing. I'm like, no, no, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to sit on a stoop. A fire hydrant is going to be spraying me in the face with water. It's going to be so great. And they're like, we don't get it. Fine. Yeah. Do a test shoot. 
take a bunch of pictures, turn in a bunch of pictures to us. And I turned in one photo. This is the photo. This is the cover of the book. And they were like, we don't, we don't get it. We don't. And I'm, the rest is history. Cause it's like, I freaking knew that would work. I knew people would get the humor in it. The amount of people that for years were like, are you the fire hydrant? And I'm like, yeah, I am. Thank you. You created your own brand. Yeah. That it, your brand is you. That's coming from your mind. That's coming from your vision. You, we, we all need a team to realize yeah. what it is that, we're, that we see. We, we can't do this ourselves. Yeah. But part of the skill is also knowing who the right team people are too. Um, to execute things, yeah. and and I'm re- I'm de- like I'm so grateful for those people. It's like if you don't have believers around you, it's they're it's wrong. They're yeah. wrong, and you need you need believers. So, but I didn't have them then. Okay, so even when I did the video, uh, any man of mine, I remember I, I I was so shocked. And even when I did that first very first video, I made you say that I didn't have any idea they were going to react that way. I'm like, are you guys kidding me? <laughs> Like, what is wrong? Even if I were in a bikini, what would be wrong with that? Right. What do you wear when you're on the beach? <laughs> what do you, What am I supposed to be wearing? I'm on the beach. I'm playful and it's, and, you know, so I was very confused by the reaction. But anyway, I got away with it. And it became a very successful. They took the chance and put it out. And it became a very successful video. And, the, and everything stemmed from there. The, the label trusted me more in the art department. They allowed me to edit my own videos. And I, when I made the Any Man of Mine video, I wanted, a hor- I wanted the, the horse to give me a, the towel because I'm in a tub. Okay, so when, we, when I go back to the label with the video, because I like to be, I like to edit them myself. I didn't like them to be there because it was, there was somebody there with me, but the person that was with me was on my side. Mm. And whenever there was something really challenging about what she thought might be a challenge, she would go out and have her lunch or whatever. (laughs) So they sit down, they watch it, they go, this is borderline bestiality. You're in a tub and there's a horse. What? Handing you your towel. I'm like, guys, oh, come on now. Oh, it was cute. It was like, a, uh, come on. Right. So I relate to the fire hydrant. I relate to the 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 the, the cover you're talking about because they're like, the, the, sorry, the spray and the, the extinguisher. And I'm like, no, 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 you guys, we have, this is, we have to keep this. Yeah. This is so, it's an important part of the video. Yeah. And... I said, especially, they're like, no, women are going to, the women are going to reject this. Men are going to love it. (laughs) Women are going to hate it. I'm like, you guys, it's the opposite. The women, what woman doesn't dream of just living in a stable with her horses? (laughs) Right, Like every girl that loves horses wants to live with her horses. Yes, it is the horse girl fantasy for sure. (laughs) I'm like, there's nothing sexual about this. Yeah. Gosh, like so get wild. your heads out of the gutter. So iconic now in retrospect that that part could have been edited out. I was so surprised that uh, that that even came up in discussion. <laughs> I'm like, you you guys are not living in the heads of any woman out there, right? Right. You are not. You don't get it. And in fact, they all thought the women would would not. The women would be the first people to reject everything I was doing. I said, you guys. If you think that, then Dolly Parton would not exist. Amen. This has been the, just the greatest treat, and I wish that I could hang out with you for nine hours. <laughs> if I want to go to Vegas, I want to get my girls, I want to go see you live, where can I do that? How can I do that? How can I live this fantasy? All right. Well, I'm at Planet Hollywood. Okay. So when you're in Vegas, you're coming to the back theater. Okay. Planet Hollywood. Great. And this is my third residency now in Las Vegas. So cool. And this room is very special because it feels like an outdoor amphitheater. Cool. Because of the grade of the seating. So I love it about that. It's very intimate. And I know the audience so well now. I know who they are. I know, I would say like I know my people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I know, I know what they, I know what they love about the music. This is a let your hair down night. Awesome. And for every man and woman 
it's a man. I feel like a woman. Sing along. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. You you will, I think, first of all, you're going to know at least most of the songs. Yeah. They're all hits. But I will take requests. Okay. So I will, I really, this is going to be very, this kind of keeps me, I love being spontaneous. Oh, cool. And there's going to, I'm going to be stumped. Okay. So if we pull out Gordon Lightfoot. No, you have to be mine. Oh, oh, your song. Okay. So it's not karaoke. So when someone comes up, when someone gives me, says that, I'm going to be like, that's not my song, buddy. (laughs) Okay, great. Okay, great. No, so they could be pulling out songs that I really have not ever done and on since I recorded them and I'm, I'm, I, I may not know it. So Okay, that's fun. I'm going to like work on that and that keeps me motivated too, keeps me excited and because um, there's a lot of fans. I, I, I noticed that on the last tour. They'd, they would want to hear, I, they would shout a song out yeah. and I'd be like, You're like, what? <laughs> I have not, I don't even remember how that song starts oh, wow. and I'm not afraid of that. Cool. It's like, you know what? It's kind of cool. Yeah. When does the residency start? May 10. May 10. Okay. So it's for yeah. summer. We're ready. We're spring. We're go- yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're late spring. Um, well, we're, we're, we're spring. Okay. We're right, I guess we're right in, in spring in the middle of But in Vegas, it will still be 125 degrees at that It point. will be. <laughs> but that's why I ride my horses in the early mornings. Nice. And when I'm not, when it's a non-show day, I ride at sunset. Oh, cool. There's no bad time to be in Vegas. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you so much for the time. This was such a gift. Thank you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org.